What is up, divers? Welcome in to the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast, where I take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor, and before we get started, remember you can follow me on Twitter at Deep Dive FF, Instagram at Deep Dive Fantasy Football, and as always, check out the website, deepdivefantasyfootball.com, which is always popping during the offseason. With that being said, let's get to the content. What's up, divers? Welcome into Deep Dive Fantasy Football. This was a insane week. Probably all of you guys, including myself, had a horrible fantasy week, but you still could have won because this was probably one of the most, like, all the random dudes that nobody ever plays getting touchdowns week ever in fantasy football. It was honestly insane. I scored on all my teams far below my averages and still won almost all of my matchups this week because that was happening to everyone. So, super crazy week, lots to go over, and of course, the most important thing is some waiver pickups. Obviously, we're super deep into the season now, so there's not any super huge, amazing pickups, but we definitely got some good ones here. We got Michael Pittman as the first one, and guess what? If you guys tried the Thrifty Thursday trick, if you employed my Thrifty Thursday trick, and you picked up Michael Pittman, guess what? You're already winning the waivers this week because he is going to be somebody that gets picked up all over the place and you could have got him for nothing if you tried out the Thursday trick. I also had Wilkins as a pickup. It was him and Wilkins as my Thrifty Thursday trick, guys. So Wilkins obviously didn't pan out, but that's fine. You just dropped and picked up your kicker for the week. If you had Pittman, you had to drop someone else and that's why you guys want to employ that. But moving on to Michael Pittman himself, he had a lot of work. He probably is the best wide receiver on that team and even though I'm not the biggest fan of the offense it seemed like they were really just trying to get the ball into his hands he's only 10% owned right now I would definitely drop a couple dollars if I need a receiver Michael Pittman is a good option then the rest of the way except for one quarterback at the very end we just got running backs Salvin Ahmed 6% owned he looked really good again that's two back-to-back weeks for Miami stepping in for Miles Gaskin that he has looked good And we will obviously talk about all these people in the what we learned for the game recaps. But Salvin Ahmed is definitely worth a pickup because Gaskin was put on IR. So he's going to miss at least at least two more weeks. Who knows if he'll be out even longer. So that's definitely like a flex worthy running back rest of the way while Gaskin is out. Then we have Kalen Balazs. Kalen Balazs is only 19% owned. And just like Ahmed, last week he looked good. This week he looked good. But the thing with Balaj is, unlike Ahmed, Eckler's probably coming back next week. That's what it seems like from Eckler's own posts on social media. You can clearly see, you know, he's saying, hey, guys, whoever didn't drop me, I am coming back and uh, I'm going to win this the, the league for you. So, I mean, if you got the actual player himself tweeting stuff out like that, I'm sure he's coming back, right? So, Eckler's probably back. Balazs, I wouldn't drop too much money on. But if you need a running back just in case Eckler misses, or if you're an Eckler owner, that's where it really matters in my opinion because I am an Eckler owner in a lot of places. I loved him this year. If you're an Eckler owner, you probably want Balazs on your team just in case something happens if he re-aggravates his injury because as we know, once a player does go down and they come back, they're more likely to get injured again. And usually it would be you know on top of the same injury or them trying to compensate somewhere else and not running naturally because they're worried about the injury that they already had and recovered from. So that's why Caitlin Blodge is still worth a pickup. 
Then we got Cam Akers, guys. I told you it was going to happen. I told you it was going to happen eventually. He didn't have a great day, so that's awesome because he's going to slide under everyone's nose. Nobody's going to notice, and he's definitely somebody that should be rostered. He led the backfield. He had the least amount of fantasy points because he didn't get the touchdowns. So that's why he's flying under the radar, and you could probably get him for $0. But Cam Akers led the backfield in touches. He looked, I mean, no worse than the other running backs versus Seattle. And they just came out of a bye. Whenever you have a team coming out of coming out of a bye with a rookie running back that hasn't been involved, a lot of times that's when they'll make a switch over. And we've seen it happen plenty of times. And it looked like that's what kind of happened this week. And so Akers, if you held him, then maybe, you know, we're finally going to start seeing some return. We'll see. They're probably still going to have an, a committee approach, though, so it's not ever going to be amazing for Akers. I don't see him ever being better than a back-end RB2, and that's if he takes, you know, a big, big workload. But just because of the offense, you guys know I'm not a fan of the offense. But with that said, that brings us to our last person, and that's Jameis Winston. Even in single quarterback leagues, he is worth a pickup. He's only 1% owned right now. Definitely in two quarterback leagues, definitely in super flex leagues. If he's not already owned, definitely needs to get picked up. But even in one quarterback leagues, if you're struggling at quarterback, or if you look at your quarterback and you say, man, his schedule, even though he's been good, his schedule is not good. Look, Drew Brees, we don't know how much he's going to miss. And maybe by the time this podcast comes out, you do know how much time he's going to miss. So that can help you make this decision because, you know, it's very possible Winston doesn't get picked up on waivers. So... You know, even if you're listening to this on a Wednesday or a Thursday, just go check if Winston's there, depending on, you know, how long Drew Brees' injury is. And the best thing, which, you know what, we'll talk about it later, but Jameis Winston, he's got a good schedule. And I'll tell you guys about that good schedule when we get to the Saints game. But yeah, he's definitely worth a pickup. We know how good he's been in fantasy whenever he started. And now we can get to what we learned. The first game I'm going over, my very own Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the Panthers. We ran the ball 31 times to the running backs. The running backs got 31 carries. Does that sound weird to you, considering that they only got four carries last game? It doesn't sound weird to me. You know why? Because if you listen to the third Thursday podcast, you heard me say, literally, on the dot, I said, they're probably going to get about 30 carries this week because they're going to overcorrect their mistake of not running the ball enough versus the Saints. They're going to overcorrect and run even more than what some people would say they should. And obviously, I mean, it was perfect to the game plan too. You know, we know Carolina gets ran all over. The Bucks would not be like trailing the entire game or anything. It was just the perfect storm for the running backs. And yeah, they ran the ball 31 times. So almost exactly on the dot of what I said, guys, I know my team. I know my Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And Somebody else I know very well that if you guys asked me about him, I told you to start him. Ronald Jones, guys, he went nuts. And don't just hit me with the 98-yard, oh, he got lucky, 98-yard touchdown run. He had 198 total scrimmage yards. You take that away and he still cracked 100 yards. So he had an amazing day no matter what you say. And yeah, I love Ronald Jones. He's definitely the back to own there. And this is the most important thing. Ronald Jones, I was extremely nervous. Ronald Jones, on the first offensive drive, fumbled the football. And I was like, oh no, all my Ronald Jones, like starting this week, starting this week, they might go down the drain because Bruce Arians is probably going to sit in. That's what he's done all season. Ronald Jones makes one mistake 
He's got a short lease. Boom, he's out the game. Well, this was the first time that we have not seen that. And I've heard some other people on other podcasts. Guys, obviously, this is the Bucks game. I watch every single snap. So I should be your go-to guy for the analysis on the Bucks. And I've hear, heard a lot of analysts say, oh, well, Ronald Jones got pulled, and then Leonard Fournette had a drop, and then he got put back in. That is not what happened. Ronald Jones was the first running back to t- see the field after his fumble. The first running back to see the field. Second drive after his fumble, he's in on pass protection. Then he gets a carry either the next play or the play after. Leonard Fournette didn't see the field until after Ronald Jones had a full drive or at least started that full drive after he fumbled. So I was extremely impressed by the fact that Bruce Arians finally stopped his childish game of you make one mistake and you're out, one strike and you're out, because that is not, when you have a good player, that is not how you coach them up. That is not how you allow them to be successful in the NFL. Finally, they gave Ronald Jones another chance. They didn't pull him after one mistake, and look at what happened. And I think that this is a learning moment for the Bucks. Uh, coaching staff and Ronald Jones is the guy to own and he is a solid RB2 the rest of the way this fantasy season and I hear a lot of people thinking that it's just a fluke it's it's not guys he is a good running back I've been telling you guys this all season trust me he is a good running back he's not the best catcher he's definitely not a good catcher but as we saw Fournette is not the best catcher either so it's not even like he's just going to get completely booted off the field on catching downs now, aside from the run game for the Bucks, we have Mike Evans, who was the target leader with 11. The Bucks seem to be making an effort to get him the ball more, and we have comments to suggest this. Bruce Arians had a comment earlier in the season that any game that finishes with Mike Evans having less than 10 targets, he feels like he made a mistake as a coach. Then, also, he has recently stated that Mike Evans is open and we're not throwing him the ball. So you have multiple comments at different times stating that Evans needs to be more involved, and it all came together this game. He was the most involved, and Godwin was playing. Godwin was healthy. Antonio Brown was playing. Uh, I believe I believe Antonio Brown actually got like eight targets. So the fact that Evans got 11 is awesome, and I'm kind of a little bit, you know, a little bit uh, higher on Evans now rest of season because I was definitely worried about him. I don't think he's going to be seeing this many targets, but instead of seeing four or five, he's probably going to be seeing seven, eight from game to game. So I like Evans. Um, he's still going to be a solid wide receiver two rest of season. Then on the other side of the ball, there's not too much to take away from me. DJ Moore, he seemed to have a good day because he had seven targets, four receptions, 96 yards, a touchdown. But basically all of that came in the first quarter and into the very beginning of the second. So you still can't trust him. I mean, you look at his line, at like mid-second quarter, and that was basically it. And he had, you know, like 15 fantasy points. Then he did nothing the rest of the game. And, you know, it's just, he had a crazy touchdown play. Like, he, it's just, it's not reliable. DJ Moore's not reliable. I'm still trying to get rid of him. Um, but, obviously, by the time this podcast is out, trade deadlines have passed in like 95% of leagues. So it's, that's not really a, a possibility. Hopefully you guys did that at some point earlier in the season. And Teddy Bridgewater, he did better than expected. DJ Moore, like I just said, he did have a good line. It was all in the beginning of the game, but that was still better than what I expected. So, you know, turnovers, the the Ronald Jones turnover really helped Teddy Bridgewater and DJ Moore. But um, yeah, I mean, they, they definitely played better versus the Bucks defense than I would have thought. So that was a slight miss because I was calling them sits 
and they both had decent days. Now we can move to the Packers-Jaguars game. Way to make me sweat out that survivor pick. Jeez. Jeez. Like, that was crazy. I was so nervous, guys. I was so, I was so nervous that the Packers were going to blow that game. Um, Chris Conley, he's looking like Jake Luton's guy. And you guys would not know it if you look at fantasy points. But he led the team in targets. Remember, last week I was telling you he was second in targets behind DJ Chark. It made sense because Conley has been the guy working with Luton all offseason, all throughout the season in practices because they were both second stringers. Well, guess what? Chris Conley was the team leader in targets in this game with eight. Devontae Adams, which means that, you know, he's still a sneaky DFS play from week to week. And if you're in like super deep leagues, 14 teamers or like six starting spots between receivers and running backs or whatever, Conley's not going to be horrible. Then you have Devontae Adams. He had an injury scare. He came back. He's fine. Thank goodness. Marquez Valdez-Scantling is such a boom-bust guy. When Lazard, Alan Lazard, when he gets back, don't get too excited for MVS. He is kind of like a Miko Hardman. But since Lazard has been out, he's hitting his booms more often. But once Lazard is back, I mean, MBS is not somebody I'm rostering. And that's pretty much all I got on that game. I mean, it wasn't a great game. Uh, James Robinson did have some touchdowns called back because of holding. But the holding most likely helped him get to the end zone on those runs. So, you know, it's a tough situation uh, for James Robinson offensively. And he's, he's still been great all year. So he's still a top 12 running back. But um, he does have a tough schedule coming up, and it's going to be very difficult for him to perform as well as he has thus far. And uh, with that said, I mean, I touched on it, but Survivor, guys, the Survivor pick. We're still alive, baby. Yes, sir. They made us sweat it out. They really, really did. And over 50% of the picks actually landed on the Packers this week. So we weren't the only ones sweating it out this week, but... We got it. They got the win. Thank goodness we can move on in this survivor pool. Guys, we are going into week 11. There's only seven more weeks to survive. And if so, we're splitting that million dollar pot. So I'm feeling good. I'm really feeling good. Now let's talk about the Washington football team versus the Lions. Nobody can cover Terry McLaurin. And you love to see it. The last drive Oh my goodness, the pass interferences and the holds that kept that drive alive for Washington was ridiculous, and they were all on McLaurin. They cannot guard him. Nobody in this league. I mean, yes, obviously there's some good corners that can do a decent job containing him, but he's one of those route runners that is just always open and is always giving you a problem. He didn't have the most amazing stat line in this game, but he definitely could have if he didn't get held every other play, especially on that last drive. So, you know, that's just sick. I mean, Terry McLaurin, when he gets a legit quarterback, throwing him the ball is going to be a monster for Dynasty and for fantasy football in general. So I really like that guy. I mean, he was one of those, you know, diamonds in the rough wide receivers that you find from Ohio State, played with Haskins. And, you know, he just wasn't utilized as like a possession receiver like he is now. So that's just awesome. I love McLaurin. Good, great for him. And then let's talk about J.D. McKissick. This man got 15 targets because, yes, they were behind, but they also need to check down often because, one, they have a lack of weapons, and two, that offensive line does no good keeping people off of Alex Smith. So, you know, I, I was kind of off there because I didn't think McKissick was going to get a whole bunch of targets in this game. I didn't think that they were going to be 
uh, losing as badly as they were. That was a huge reason, obviously, why that he got a lot of those targets. But also, I mean, Alex Smith is just check down City. And that's going to be great for McKissick. And Gibson Gibson still got four receptions in this game, despite McKissick getting 15 targets. So, you know, I really like what's going on there for, for the running backs. McKissick is a decent flex. And Gibson's a solid RB2 rest of season, as we've been, you know, as we've known for the last four or five weeks. And yeah, that's that's the offense for Washington. I mean, those are the guys you want to own. You want Gibson, you want McLaurin, and McKissick, you know, he's a decent guy. Then on the other side of the ball, we have DeAndre Swift. They officially started him. I'm air quoting because, I mean, he's been leading the running back committee in touches for the past two weeks, but they officially started him this week. And he is this year's version of an RB3 rookie to emerge late season. And who am I talking about? For example, Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara was the RB3 on his team. If you remember that team, Mark Ingram, Adrian Peterson, and Alvin Kamara. He was third on the depth chart to start that year. He did nothing in the first few games. Then he started coming on. And then he was winning people fantasy championships. DeAndre Seth could very, very much be that guy this year. Because he was also the RB3. And guess what else is a super weird coincidence? Adrian Peterson was one of the two people in front of him. Just like Alvin Kamara. But he's emerging. He's taking over that backfield. He's clearly the best running back there. He was my number one running back in this rookie class. Um, before the draft, obviously, I moved him down because of landing spot. I knew it would take a while for him to emerge. But the emergence is starting now. And I actually thought it would happen a little bit quicker. I mean, this we're, you know, you know, we're in double-digit weeks now. It's We're going to week 11. I would have thought it happened maybe like week seven, week eight. But, you know, he did start getting good these past couple weeks. So it was around the time that I, I thought it would happen. But DeAndre Sift, he has an amazing schedule for the fantasy football playoffs. As you guys know who have been listening to this podcast. So he's sick. I hope you guys traded for him while you could have. And then Marvin Jones is a solid flex or a solid wide receiver too, actually. Which I cannot believe I'm saying, but I did some research. When there is no Kenny Galladay this year, that's a five-game sample size, two in the beginning of the season, and then the last three. Marvin Jones averages 14.4 points per game in PPR without Kenny on the field. That is borderline wide receiver one territory, not the wide receiver one top 12 wide receivers. So, you know, 14.4 points per game, that's an easy, easy wide receiver too. And he's been doing it pretty well when Kenny Galladay's not on the field. So if Kenny's still not back, Marvin Jones is a solid wide receiver too, or a flex play until he is back. So I like Marvin. He did, you know, kind of see a resurrection in the middle of the season. Um, but I mean, we just, we've got to go with what we're seeing and he's, he's good. So I like Marvin Jones. Then we got Eagles versus the Giants. Miles Sanders looked really good, really good. Boston Scott, he did break a long, like 56 yard carry for a touchdown. It wasn't a post. So if you're just looking at the box score, don't think that, oh man, Boston Scott, really? He stole a touchdown from Miles Sanders. Not really. He earned it. He, it was, they were on the, the Eagles were on their own side of the field and Scott got a touchdown. That's not a poach. I'm not worried about that. Jalen Rager led the Eagles in targets. Corey Clement also did. He did poach a touchdown. In fact, it was like from the five yard line. I think he poached a touchdown from Miles Sanders, but I mean, Miles Sanders had a great run to get them there to that point. And then he was probably tired. So they pulled him out. It's nothing like too serious to worry about. Miles Sanders easily could have had an amazing day. So, and I love the way he looks. That's the most important thing. So I'm very excited for Miles Sanders moving forward. Jalen Rager led the team in targets. It was an ugly game from once. I don't know what is going on with that dude. 
Daniel Jones has a big 34-yard touchdown run. Didn't get tripped this time. And Wayne Gallman, he gets two one-yard touchdowns. And, I mean, aside from that, it wasn't a great fantasy day, but he looks pretty good. He's probably going to be, even if Freeman is healthy and whatnot, their main running back now. So I think he's a flex-worthy back-end RB2 rest of the season, even despite a somewhat tough schedule coming up. Then we have the Texans-Browns game. This is a game that was completely controlled by bad weather, which brings me to something I wanted to tell you guys. So when I am recording my podcasts that release on Thursday, it's usually Wednesday night for me. And so I'm giving you guys my starts of the week, my sits of the week. But if you're thinking about it, that's Wednesday. Even if I recorded and released it right after I recorded, so like if I was recording Thursday morning, it doesn't really make a difference. Um, Weather is not super reliable or super predictable that far out from Sunday on a Wednesday. So weather is something you guys want to check on because we're at the point in the season where snow can become a big factor, wind becomes a big factor, um, even like super heavy rain or whatever. So make sure, you know, when you're listening to my start sits, if they're, you know, a Cleveland team or, you know, one of those teams that are in cold areas or windy areas or whatever that as we get closer to the games, just check the weather. It doesn't take too long. It's really easy to check the weather for a football game. So just do that because that has a huge impact. And we saw that and how much it affected this Texans-Brown game, Browns game, because I liked the Texans initially. But once I figured out the weather, obviously I didn't release a podcast just to tell you guys this. Um, that's what you would follow me on Twitter for. But um, right when I found out like how bad the weather was going to be, of course the Browns are going to win. That's tailored to their strength. Their strength is the run game. The strength of the Texans is the pass game. Well, obviously the weather is way more conducive to a team with a good run game. So I knew the Browns were going to win this game at that point. And there's not really that much to take away from this game. I mean, Chubb and Hunt both had good days, just like they did before Chubb was hurt. And Chubb almost had an amazing day, but he stepped out at the one-yard line to steal the win instead of taking a touchdown. Don't be upset about that if you're a fantasy owner. I mean, he's just playing smart. He's doing his job. Then we got the Colts versus the Titans. Jonathan Taylor, this is a this is a big rewind all the way back to Thursday. Jonathan Taylor cannot be trusted, and he will never, ever, and I didn't start him this week, but he will never be started in my lineups until he proves otherwise, and it should be the same mentality for you. We should not be playing this game where, oh, look at this matchup. Oh, the Colts are probably going to be winning. Oh, Jonathan Taylor might get a bunch of carries. This is the week to play him. Look. I would much rather miss out on the week and him do good on my bench than him do bad in my lineup. I am not trusting him until he proves that he should be trusted. Michael Pittman had a good day. Once again, the Thrifty Thursday trick, that's why we use it. Naheem Hines went nuts, but he's also hard to trust. And this was a bad game for the Titans. There's not much to analyze except for some touchdowns that were stolen from Henry. Deontay Foreman had a catch in the red zone instead of Derrick Henry. And then Jonu Smith had a handoff inside the five yard line instead of Derrick Henry so he still could have had a good day I'm not worried about Henry at all it will be interesting to see how much they uh, utilize Foreman though going forward because I believe he had a touchdown last week as well um, or he had like a big play so it'll be interesting but I Henry's still locked in top six running back rest of the season especially with the schedule then we have the Seahawks versus the Rams this was a bad offensive day for the Seahawks and Russell Wilson, I mean, if we're talking about his MVP conversation, it's kind of, it, it might be over. I mean, unless he completely just turns it around. 
and goes back to what he was, he's got eight turnovers. Or no, sorry. He's got 10 turnovers in the last, like, four games. And he's got eight turnovers in the last two. That is so bad. And I really thought the Seahawks would win this game. But the six sacks and three turnovers from Russ... Oh, he only had three this week. Sorry. So maybe not eight the last two games. Maybe seven. I know he had four last game. Um, but the six sacks and the three t- turnovers from Russell Wilson, yikes. That's I mean, that's all I got to say. Like, that is not optimal if you're trying to win football games, especially when you have a horrible defense. And this just continues to point to the fact that I was talking about earlier, I think it was with Nate that or Sia maybe, that all of the football teams this year have – a clear weakness all of them are very beatable and this is going to be a very entertaining playoffs and I mean I'm so so excited for it but aside from that Jalen Ramsey he tweeted out and said and I told you guys I thought Ramsey would be on DK most of the game and that's why Tyler Lockett was a good play so I was half right on that because despite the fact that Ramsey tried to lead everyone astray and he said that he would not be shadowing DK. He did basically shadow DK. He was on DK Metcalf for 71% of his snaps. What was DK Metcalf's line? Four targets, two receptions, 28 yards. Jalen Ramsey basically shut him down. There was one uh, play that DK could have just saved his fantasy day with, but Russell Wilson missed him stretched, him, stretched him out a little too much. He had DK beat by about a foot or two on the sideline going to the end zone, and he just got overthrown. He couldn't bring bring it in it did hit his hands but he was like diving it was a tough catch for sure but yeah that just shows you guys that Jalen Ramsey he's a great corner he really is and that's why I was kind of looking Tyler Lockett's direction little did I know the whole entire Seahawks offense would be bad I thought you know maybe DK has a bad day but they're still going to be a good offense so Lockett's going to get something going not really I mean I think he had like 10 fantasy points not horrible but I mean this was just a bad day overall for the Seahawks the running backs didn't do much. Alex Collins led that backfield, but Chris Carson should be back for the Thursday night game, which, by the way, whoo, what a Thursday game. Cardinals-Seahawks, both tied with the same record in their division. Cardinals got the win right now in their first matchup, so this is a must-win for Seattle. So it'll be interesting. That's going to be an amazing game, just like the first one was that went into overtime. Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, I am so ready for this Thursday. I cannot wait. It's going to be a sick sick game but on the other side of the ball we got the Rams and the Rams offense also looked bad versus a historically historically bad pass defense I mean the Seahawks are on pace to break records for how many yards they're allowing and points and just everything and Rams the Rams did not get it done obviously they won the game but that was off the back of all these turnovers and the sacks and just holding down this number one offense in the NFL that's why the Rams won the game And that's something I did not expect at all. But their offense did what I expected, and that was not look good. Akers did get the most work. So like I said earlier, he's worth a pickup. Three rushing touchdowns total for the running backs. For the Rams, Akers got none. So that's why he's going to be unnoticed on waivers. This whole game sucked for fantasy, honestly. There was nobody in this game that was good for fantasy that people actually started. Then we have the Bengals versus the Steelers. The Bengals are building a great offense for fantasy and the NFL despite their atrocious offensive line they have a really bright future and you guys know how much I like the Bengals I've been talking about the Bengals so much so often T Higgins he was great and it was a combination of him just being great 
and also him being schemed open. Like, for example, if you look at his touchdown catch, it was a pick route. So they got the tough corner off of him, and they got him, you know, basically wide open uh, off that pick, off that rub, and got him the touchdown. But he's just he's just good overall, guys. I love T. Higgins. And, I mean, I don't know if this is a hot take or not, but top 12 dynasty wide receiver? I mean, he's got the quarterback. We all love Burrow. We're all clearly bought into Burrow. That offense has been humming this. I mean, it was a tough game. It was a super tough game versus possibly the NFL's best defense and the Steelers. So I'm not going to hold too much against them for not looking great this year, or I mean this week. But this year, they've been humming. They've been looking really good despite the offensive line. You think about this team in the future. If you're a dynasty player, think about this team in the future. You've got Joe Burrow, T. Higgins, Auden Tate, Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon. The weakness right now, the thing that's holding everyone back is the offensive line. The Bengals have cap space, and they're going to have a high pick. There is no way they do not add at least two offensive linemen to their starting lineup this offseason, whether it's through free agency or the draft or both. They will have at least two new offensive linemen that are starting. I would put my money on it. This offense, if they can get that offensive line to NFL average, is going to be insanity. So I love the pieces here. And that's why in Dynasty... I mean, T. Higgins, it's probably too late to buy. Boyd, maybe somebody doesn't realize that he's probably a top 16 dynasty wide receiver, so he's a buy if you can, if they don't realize that. Um, but he's been amazing this season, um, which is no surprise to me, as you guys know. And then Joe Mixon, that's probably the easiest buy right now. Joe Mixon, you know, he hasn't been good. Now he's, so far this season, like he's been good, but not for fantasy purposes, not for efficiency purposes. And now he's hurt. And whatnot, I mean, he's an easy buy for me. He's probably a top six dynasty running back because of what I think this offense is going to be in the future. So I love Mixon there. But aside from all that future talk, in this actual game, um, and actually one thing interesting, if you guys want to know how much I like T. Higgins, I was offered Michael Thomas on a team that's win now, that I, that I can win uh, in a dynasty league right now. I declined Michael Thomas for T. Higgins and a, a late first because I'm like second in the league right now. So my first is like pick 11. And I'm honestly feeling good. I feel like I can win the league. So it's probably going to be the last pick in the first round. And I declined that and T. Higgins for Michael Thomas. That's how much I like T. Higgins. I really do think he's going to be like the next Brandon Marshall. Tyler Boyd had a consistent game, not great, 10 points. All the Steelers wide receivers had a day. All of them in an easy matchup. They all had between 20 and 25 points. And this is odd, very odd, because they have been consistently close to each other when they're all healthy. I told you guys that on maybe it was either last week or the week before that they were all within like two fantasy points of each other, the three receivers. And once again, they're all within that 20 to 25 range now, super close to each other. So honestly, like if you're asking me for one of those people that's like, yo, should I start Claypool or Deontay Johnson this week or Juju or Deontay Johnson this week? All I'm going to do which is something that you guys can do. All I'm going to do is go see who they're playing against and think about the cornerback matchups. If they've got good outside corners, whatever team they're playing, I'm starting Juju. If they've got a really good slot corner, then I'm picking either Claypool or Deontay Johnson. But honestly, they're all pretty good. They're all in the same bucket. And then, fun fact, Deontay Johnson was picked in the third round with the exact pick that the Steelers got when they traded away Antonio Brown to the Raiders. And a lot of people are like, man, Deontay Johnson is an amazing route runner. He's got speed. He's got good hands. Very similar to AB in those aspects. And a lot of people are like, oh, Deontay Johnson is the new AB. I wouldn't go that far. 
um, because AB was the best wide receiver in the league. Like he's just insane and he wins 50-50 balls despite his size, all that stuff. He's amazing. I love AB as a player on the field. Um, but it's just interesting because I mean, they did definitely turn that pick into a, another really good wide receiver. Then we got the Dolphins Chargers game. Kalen Balaj looks like a different guy. He's a powerful runner and he also got some receiving work. He's the guy to own if Eckler isn't back next week. He'll be a decent play. Salvin Ahmed looks really good on the other side of the ball. Him and Gaskin will make a nice one-two punch. They might be the future of that backfield. And something else that's interesting, both of those guys are from the same college. They're both from Washington. And it'll be interesting to see what they do this offseason, speaking on the Dolphins, because Gaskin and Ahmed look really, really good. And um, by the way, if you're wondering how I nail his last name every time uh, to perfection, it's because I'm half Egyptian. So... I got the accent in me if I want to bring it out. <laughs> so uh, that's what it is. That's why I'm able to say his name pretty good. But um, anyways, <laughs> him and Gaskin, they are both really good. And they've been playing really good for the Dolphins. And with as much draft capital as the Dolphins have, it'll be very interesting to see if they try to get a Trevor Etienne or like one of these elite running backs in this draft, or if they choose to move forward with Gaskin and Ahmed. So I'm excited to see what they do there uh, this offseason. Guys, if you're thinking fantasy football is over once the season is over, you are dead wrong. Trust me, stick with me through the offseason. You will not regret it because I will have mad content coming at you guys. And honestly, I mean, I love doing everything I'm doing now during the season, but I prefer my offseason podcasts because that's when I'm in my bag. I really get in my bag in the offseason, and I am one of the few people... Um, that does projections like legit projections unless you're talking about like fantasy pros guys or you know people that are on like sites but I'm one of the, the those guys that just does projections and it's a process it takes me about two hours per NFL team so I'm putting mad work into my projections and uh, usually it comes out to like 100 hours total every off season on my projections that's what makes me so confident in my offseason takes so stick with me in the offseason you won't regret it and with that said, we'll move to the 49ers-Saints game. The 49ers quarterback play has been bad all season. Nick Mullins had two interceptions. And, ugh, give me a break, dude. The Saints, this was, I have never been rooting against the Saints more this week than ever. For three reasons. One, if the Saints lose this game, the Bucks are winning the division. Two, 30%, almost 30% of survivor picks were on the Saints. Obviously, we didn't take them, so that would have been amazing if they lost. That's number two. And number three, Jameis Winston was in the game, and he was um, trying to think of a appropriate word to say on the podcast. He was acting a certain way after the they beat the Bucks, kind of like mocking the Bucks, which, I mean, he ha- has no, no, like, authority to be mocking the Bucks. I mean, we were bad because of you, brother. So I don't know what you're making fun of us for. And anyways, so those were the three reasons I was rooting against the Saints. And the 49ers just gave that game up. I mean, they could have definitely won that game. Their defense was playing great against the Saints, except the fact that on special teams, they muffed two punts. Two punts. It's already so rare for that to happen. They did it twice versus the Saints and gave them super short fields, and Mullins had two interceptions. So I was just, like, so mad watching that game. But one thing on the 49ers that's doing pretty good Honestly, the 49ers were just <laughs> slapping me in the face all day because not only were they playing horrible when I really needed them to beat the Saints just for my own personal gains, but also Brandon Ayuk is getting way more work than I would have ever imagined. He's 
being utilized. See, I was not a huge Ayuk guy uh, coming out of college. You guys know that. But I guess he did land in the perfect situation with Kyle Shanahan because Kyle Shanahan is a wizard uh, in terms of offensive play calling, which is why it's been so weird to me that the 49ers quarterback play has been so bad this season. But nevertheless, Ayuk has been really good as a wide receiver. So far, they you know know how to get him open. They know how to get him in space, let him utilize his best trait, which is yak, yard, which is yards after contact, excuse me. Um, and so, I mean, he's been pretty good, way better than I would have thought. And then we can't play any of the 49er running backs ever unless they have Raheem Mostert healthy, it seems like. So if you guys are going to ask me questions about that, I'm just going to tell you go with the other option. Unless your other option is horrible, then McKinnon is the guy I'll be like, Ugh, okay with. But yeah, I'm not really a big 49er running back guy. And this will be something to keep an eye on because the more games we talk about, you're going to see how many messed up backfield there's messed up backfields there are so it shows you why we uh why we go heavy running back why i prefer that strategy most years and um michael thomas who michael thomas who that's what sean payton's saying two receptions for 27 yards and the saints won this game they didn't need him they didn't use him much he got seven targets but most of those targets were actually from Jameis winston which were off target big surprise and um yeah so that's interesting that he's not getting the targets that he was and he coming back didn't affect Alvin Kamara's receptions or his targets which usually happens a little bit so that'll be interesting to to watch but I don't really have any big takes on that I mean we've we've only had Michael Thomas for two games now he had Carlton Davis who's pretty close to a shutdown corner other than some PI calls every once in a while in this league with the Bucks, and then now we had this game versus the Niners who you know are decent in the secondary but um, yeah, I'm not going to take too much away from that game for Michael Thomas. And then Alvin Kamara continues destroying three touchdowns. Jameis is the backup quarterback, not Taysom Hill. Drew Brees is getting checked for ribs. I don't have an update at the time of recording. Um, they're assuming he's out next week versus Atlanta, but he might be back after that. So we have no idea. I have no idea. At least you guys might know, like I was talking, talking to you guys about earlier. So just keep an eye out on that. But he has a, a great schedule, talking about the Saints and Jameis Winston. In the meantime, he's got Atlanta, second most points to quarterbacks in fantasy this year. Denver, seventh most points allowed to quarterbacks in fantasy this year. And then Atlanta again. So you've got the Falcons, probably a shootout. Nice. Denver might not be a shootout because that Saints defense is probably going to hold Denver down. But Jameis just loves to sling it anyway. And then... And they've been allowing a lot of points to fantasy quarterbacks. And then Atlanta shootout again. That is amazing for Jameis Winston. He's probably going to be a top 10 quarterback uh, if he plays all three of those games while Breeze is out, which is why I was telling you guys I really like him as a pickup this week. Now we can talk about the Bills Cardinals. Oh, man, and you guys better know I'm about to go off. DeAndre Hopkins is the best wide receiver in the NFL. I've been saying it. And... I got hundreds of comments when I said Julio was not number one on Twitter. People were trying to destroy me, but I stuck to my guns. How we feeling now, baby? I'll tell you one thing. Julio Jones is not coming down. Is not coming down with that football. And I'm not sure if there's any other wide receiver in this league that comes down with that football over DeAndre Hopkins. The man is amazing. He's a magician. And uh, so is Kyler Murray, by the way. But if you guys want to look into my exact thoughts, my thought process, 
as it happened because that that catch actually won me a matchup too in one of my home leagues one of my favorite leagues it won me a matchup and i like i was losing it so here were my exact thoughts as it happened in the form of a play-by-play radio broadcaster Connor got one shot left, last play of the game, needed a touchdown. Ball hiked to Murray, Murray rolls out to his left, Murray's looking downfield, needs to hail Murray. He launches the prayer up across his body, it's headed to Hopkins in the left end zone. Three bills with him, gonna be a tough one, and oh, oh, Hopkins caught it right between the defenders. A prayer has just been answered in the desert tonight, folks. Nail in the coffin, that is game. Kyler Murray continues his MVP campaign with that clincher to the NFL's best wide receiver, DeAndre Hopkins. Woo! So yeah, amazing. And aside from that crazy finish, which, by the way, guys, I mean, Kyler Murray escapes the pocket, avoids a rusher, rolls out to his left. He's right-handed, rolls out to his left, about to be out of bounds, launches one down the sideline, perfectly timed to get DeAndre Hopkins. It wasn't, you know, like up in the air with like some crazy hang time that gives the defenders like five seconds to get into position or something so yeah amazing just the perfect string of events to make an amazing game already even more amazing i told you guys this was going to be the game of the week but aside from that cole beasley surprised big time as a target leader at least he surprised me for sure with 13 targets he has not been good when john brown has been healthy on the field john brown did Hurt his ankle, though, so we're, we have no idea what the timetable on that is. I did see a injury specialist on Twitter talking about it's probably going to be, like, at minimum a two, three-week injury, at most a six-week injury. So, I mean, that's basically the rest of the fantasy season. So, that, that kind of that sucks. But uh, Cole Beasley's going to be solid with John Brown out again. That's all I got there. And then Christian Kirk disappointed, kind of. But the Cardinals, it was that whole game. Hopkins was basically disappointing until that touchdown catch for fantasy purposes but the cardinals were just dominating with the run game they had almost 200 rushing yards between kyler murray and their running backs which by the way Kenyon drake looked really good other than his fumble and uh the bills running backs they did nothing surprised no uh not surprised at all i don't expect them to do much of anything from week to week they're gonna have a boom week every once in a while but you're still not gonna know which one's gonna do it so yeah like i i've been saying for the past how many weeks i'm staying away from the bills running backs and boom there's another one i just told you guys that with the 49ers running backs right stay away from the 49ers running backs well i'm staying away from the bills running backs and into this next game broncos raiders broncos running backs staying away from them that's another one kj hamler got double digit targets again jerry judy disappointed but likely from quarterback play i mean he's still an amazing route runner he's open all the time there's some definitely some definite drops that he has uh, throughout the season that should not have happened, but the quarterback play has been bad. Locke has not been great. I mean, he was good versus the Chargers leading that comeback, but aside from that, he hasn't done really much of anything in the season. And like I said, the Broncos running back can't be trusted. The Raiders, they have a good o- offense. They're a sneaky contender in the playoffs to me. Devontae Booker had two touchdowns. So did Josh Jacobs. Just imagine what Josh Jacobs could have done. I mean, he had 25 fantasy points. Devontae Booker had 20 and stole two touchdowns from Jacobs. Just imagine. Jacobs could have had a four-touchdown performance. He could have been at the 40-point mark on fantasy fantasy rosters today. Or 
not today, yesterday, whatever, you know what I'm saying. Anyways, that would have been amazing. Josh Jacobs, I mean, he's going to have some frustrating games. We see it, but he's still a top 12 running back for fantasy, so I'm not, you know, freaking out. I know a lot of people are panicking. Don't panic. I mean, we don't have many running backs that are trustworthy, which is what we've just been talking about. So Jacobs is one of those guys. And the Raiders didn't have much to take away in the passing game because they dominated all day running. Obviously, Jacobs and Devontae Booker had great days, so obviously they weren't passing much they didn't need to. Then we got the Patriots-Ravens game. This will be the last uh, game recap. Then we'll get into a couple things, but it'll be shorter at, at that point because buy lows, sell highs, trades are closed. So we're not going to be doing that anymore the rest of the season. So it'll shorten things up a little bit, but Patriots-Ravens, Lamar and the Ravens have never won a game trailing by 10 points or more. Never. They are a playoff pretender because of it. They're obviously going to make the playoffs. But once they're in the playoffs, if you cannot come back from a 10-point deficit, you've never done it, and you don't seem to have the capabilities to do it ever, you are not winning the Super Bowl. The Ravens need to figure something out because right now they are in a weird situation. They have a amazing team that's built very well to be very good but it's built in a way that will never be good enough to win the Super Bowl you are not going to go all the way through the playoffs without being in a game with a negative game script you're never going to just destroy absolutely demolish and control four playoff teams and be winning the whole game to the point where the way that they play football is going to be good enough to bring them a Super Bowl they need to figure something out and it's not even all on Lamar. You guys know I've been giving Lamar some, you know, some uh, much deserved, but some tough criticism on his passing. But it's not all on Lamar. If you watch that offense, it is not creative. They are not getting people open often. It is just, I mean, there, I can't even think of his name right now. It's like, is it Greg Roman? Who's like always great at building like a team that can run the ball. But he's not helping the offense, the offensive pass game much. So they need to figure something out there. They need to be more dynamic. They can't just rely on their run game always and only. So that makes them extremely one-dimensional on offense and easier to defend. It's easier to defend Lamar because they're not having to worry about the pass much. But I just wanted to touch on that because, I mean, yes, it's a fantasy football podcast, but I love talking about football in general, and I'm sure you love hearing about it. So that's just my take on them and their chances at the Super Bowl. I would say it's pretty slim. And then other than that, we can get to the fantasy side of things. Mark Ingram is back. It makes the Ravens, once again, another offense backfield here for the running back position. It makes the Ravens running backs unviable. Ingram, Edwards, Dobbins, all splitting, including Lamar. No thank you. Put that in the same bucket as the Broncos running backs, the 49ers running backs. And the Bills running backs. I'm not touching the running backs on any of those teams. And notice all these bad backfields. That's why we pay up for running backs in drafts. Guys, that is why the workhorse running back is the single most important piece for a fantasy football team. Now, you could argue this year Travis Kelsey might be the single most important piece, but that's because Kittle got hurt. Andrews has been a bust. Waller is kind of struggling. Not really. I mean, he's still the best of the bunch after Kelsey, clearly, but... I mean, outside of Kelsey and, like, the circumstances that happened this year with injuries to the tight ends and um, stuff, outside of that, this shows you why. You pay up for running backs, and you pay up for pre premium tight ends, but you have to be sure. K 
Kittle and Kelsey are the only ones that had no flags. Mark Andrews had the flags of being in a run-heavy offense and being touchdown dependent. He had those flags. That's why I didn't draft him anywhere. And Darren Waller, he didn't have many flags, but he was a six-round pick, so that was fine. I was fine making that choice. But Waller and, uh, I mean, Kelsey and Kittle, those are the only guys I could ever see myself drafting high next year. And really, it would just be Kelsey and Kittle because Waller's not on that level, nowhere near it. So let's just remember that going into next season. Guys, Kelsey is well worth a first-round pick. Well worth it. Kittle will be well worth a first-round pick. Them and the, the running backs, the elite running backs that get workhorse roles. Oh, boy. All right, live on the podcast, Drew Brees has a collapsed lung. Jeez, dude. Saints quarterback is dealing with rib fractures on both sides of his chest in addition to the collapsed lung. So he's got rib fractures on both sides of his chest, and he has a collapsed lung. Wow. That sucks. I mean, I, I don't want the Saints to be good, but I do not want them to go out like that either. I mean, Drew Brees is like on a... Damn. So yeah, you guys are catching a live reaction right now from an a, a Saints rival, in fact. That sucks. I hate seeing stuff like that. I wouldn't... I hate... Like, some people, you know, they're like, oh, somebody in our division got hurt? Awesome. I can never be that person because... I always look at it as like, dude, these are human beings. These are people that, I mean, they put so much work in. The amount of work that goes into being a professional football player is insane. And Drew Brees is like on his, you know, his like final run. So that's that's not how you want to see the Saints season go out. Because look, as much as that, uh, that defense is built right now, and they do have Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas and a decent O-line, a good O-line, in fact. As much as all that stuff is true, and even the fact that Drew Brees' arm is not nearly as good as it was, that's also true. They are not getting nowhere with Jameis Winston. Trust me, I've watched Jameis Winston for five years as a Bucks fan. Guys, postseason, uh, Super Bowl aspirations, you can just basically call it. I mean, if Brees... If, if I'm understanding this injury correctly, I, I'm not a med guy. I'm definitely not a med guy, so I could be completely overblowing this, but my understanding is that a collapsed lung, I know rib fractures, ribs are fine, ribs can heal, you can even play with messed up ribs, but that along with a collapsed lung, I don't think that that's something that's an easy fix, and obviously we'll get a timetable, so you guys probably know the timetable at this point, I'm just obviously getting this news live at time of recording um, on Monday, but yeah. That's rough. That really sucks for Drew Brees. But it just reinforces the uh, Jameis Winston pickup. That's for sure. Continuing with the Patriots-Ravens game. That was a uh, wow. And definitely uh, un, uh, obviously unplanned. But uh, unexpected. That's the word I was looking for. Unexpected interruption. So yeah, Mark Ingram's back. Can't trust the Raven running back. That's what we were talking about. The tight ends. Yes, tight ends elite. Being elite. Worth a first round pick. And whatnot. So the weather in this game was really bad, uh, which would normally favor the Ravens. The Ravens are always, you know, going to be beating teams with their defense and their run game. That is an amazing, amazing type of team build in a game that is raining, in a game that is snowy, in a game that is just making it hard to pass the ball. But guess what? You look at this weather, 
and you're like, yes, this favors the Ravens. Except for the fact that Cam Newton and Bill Belichick are on the other side. So, I mean, Cam Newton runs the ball great, and Belichick is great with his schemes. So the Patriots ended up pulling out this win, and I was not surprised that they won this game. A lot of people were calling this a shoe-in, a lock of the week. I did not think so at all. Damian Harris is really good. He has that job locked down. Damian Harris is gonna another like RB2 guy that we did not see. Um, you know, along with those like Mile Gaskin, uh, and then like all the step-ins for injured guys like like uh, Wayne Gallman right now, Ahmed, um, and what was the other one? Balaj. So he he's another you know really good running back that we didn't see coming. But Damian Harris definitely got that job locked down. I'm not worried about Michelle returning ruining him. Then Jacoby Myers he continues to be good despite Harry playing. And yes, Nikhil Harry was playing. Zero targets, but he was playing. And there was actually something I thought was hilarious. Uh, I retweeted it on Twitter if you want to go look at it. But uh, that's remember, that's Deep Dive FF on Twitter. And uh, Marcus Peters apparently did his film study amazingly because the video is out on Twitter of Marcus Peters is lined up on Nikhil Harry, right? Pre-snap before the play goes off. Marcus Peters backs up, takes a few steps back, and starts heading to the other side of the field before Nikhil Harry does. And he's shadowing Nikhil Harry. He knew Nikhil Harry was going to go to that side of the field, and he headed over there before Nikhil Harry did. And then Nikhil Harry walked over there. It was hilarious. I've never seen that ever in my life. So that was hilarious. But yeah, so Harry played zero targets, yikes. And then uh, that's what I got because the Bears-Vikings game has not kicked off. Yeah, I'm recording this before that game. And, you know, we'll just give you a... I'll give you a recap, obviously, on Thursday for that game. And there's no buy lows. There's no sell highs because trades are closed for, like... Uh, I don't know. I think I ran a poll, actually, because I wanted to make sure on Twitter. But it seemed like more than 80%, just about 80% of people's leagues are closed on trades. So I'm not going to start talking about trades if it doesn't apply to most of you guys listening. Now we can get to my hits and whiffs. I initially called it victory laps and like duds or whatever i think hits and whiffs sounds way better so i'm gonna go with hits and whiffs from now on but some hits well actually we'll go back and forth one huge hit for me this week ronald jones 198 yards and a touchdown a whiff teddy bridgewater in the same game and dj moore i called them as sits they had good days that was a whiff on my part a hit bills running backs gross stay away from them not touching them that was clear and it, I'm sure it's going to continue through the season. What about a whiff? Christian Kirk. I said start him this week. I thought it was a perfect matchup. The Cardinals ended up just dominating the Bills in the run game, despite putting up a good amount of points in the game and being behind at points. I mean, I, I was not expecting that. I thought it was going to be more of a pass game, and it was more of a Kyler Murray running around, and which is amazing. Uh, Sonic Hedgehog, somebody said that as a comparison on Twitter. I thought that was perfect the quick little feet you just and uh, like a short guy super fast super elusive that's like a perfect comparison and um that's how they won that game so yeah christian kirk wasn't needed but i'm still very high on kirk moving forward then um another hit joe burrow i said sit him that was not a good day for joe burrow it was obvious it was a tough start or a, a tough defense what about another whiff jerry judy as a start he wasn't horrible, but he got like eight and a half points or nine points in PPR. So not horrible, but definitely not optimal. Not what I was looking for. I thought Judy was going to be in that 15 to 17 range this week. It was a good matchup. He just 
didn't get didn't get it done. Didn't get enough targets. KJ Hamler was getting more targets than him. Come on now. And let's go back to some hits. John Brown as a start, despite getting hurt, he had a really really good game. And yeah, I love John Brown. I just I wish he didn't get hurt and would be missing a lot of the season that's remaining for fantasy purposes. But I mean it happened, so we got to move on. But he was still a very good start. That was a good call. Then I got one more whiff and then a couple more hits. Last whiff, Deshaun Watson as a start versus the Browns. I thought he could be like QB1 or 2 on the week or QB3 on the week versus the Browns. But I didn't have the weather update at that time. And once I got the weather update, then I was like, geez, Watson's probably not going to be anywhere close. He'll still be a, a QB1, but that's what I thought. But, um, you know, top 12, but he didn't. And then some hits to finish it off. Devontae Parker as a sit, predictably bad game for him. I told you guys he was going to be the only guy that that defense was really worried about in the receiving game. He did have one target in the end zone that he didn't come down with. But, I mean, yeah, he would, I called him as a sit, and it was a great call. He had like five points. And then another hit for me this week, 49ers running backs as sits. They combined for 5.5 points. All of their running backs. Combined for 5.5 points. Atrocious. And with that said, that wraps up that wraps up the podcast. Remember, guys, if you like the content, do me a solid. You know, tell a friend or two about it. Say, hey, go listen to Deep Dive Fantasy Football. You want some inside information. You want some information that not a lot of people have access to. Not because there's like a paywall or anything, just because, you know, I'm kind of under underground right now you know i'm not like some huge fantasy footballers or something like that maybe one day that's the aspiration right but you know just getting started got some solid content all the time for you guys so help your friends out if you're not in leagues with them i'm sure you guys have friends that you're not in leagues with that play fantasy just let them know about me drop a rating drop a review if you enjoy the podcast that helps me out a lot too keeps me motivated keeps me going and with that said, guys, thank you for the support always. You guys are the reason that I do this. I mean, I love doing it, and I've always done like a bunch of research on my own and stuff before I started the podcast. But um, yeah, thank you guys so much. I hope you guys have a good week. I wish you luck on waivers. I hope if you have any, um, any uh, real estate in today's game, if you got Dalvin Cook, if you got Justin Jefferson, you got Allen Robinson, if you need anybody to go off tonight, Obviously, you'll know what happened because by the time you listen to this, it's Tuesday. But I'm just letting you know. I'm wishing you luck. I'm wishing you luck in this game tonight. And wishing your NFL team luck in the coming week unless it is the Rams because my Bucks are playing the Rams and hopefully the Bucks destroy the Rams. But that game is going to be a little bit more interesting because that defense showed up for Seattle. Did a lot more than I would have thought. Hopefully, the, uh, the Bucks offense is too much for them to handle. I don't think the Bucks defense is going to have too much trouble with the Rams offense. So I will call it now. Even this is this is super early, but I'll call it now. The only way the Rams beat the Bucks is if that game hits the under. I don't even know what the over-under is yet. But if that game is getting points, if there's a lot of points scored in that game, the Bucks are winning. So I'm calling it now. You can lock that one in. And um, yeah, that wraps up the podcast. Hope you guys have a good one. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor. Peace. I'm not going to